Welcome back to World Changers. Do, do, do. I'm here with uh, Biggie B, Brett J. So <laughs> they call me in high school. Man. It's been a while, though, you know. And my name is Steven. And today we're going to be talking about probably the worst person we've done so far. <laughs> worst as in most evil. Yeah, probably made uh, bad choices and hurt a lot of people. Yeah, that would be uh, Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. His name gets kind of thrown around a lot these days about who's the next Hitler. And Yeah. We're going to talk about the actual Hitler. Yeah. And uh, why he got such a bad reputation. Yeah. So we're going to try a little bit of a new format with this episode. Um, a little bit sim- more similar to our review episode. We have a list of basic questions that we're going to go through. Um, just kind of splitting up their life and we'll throw in uh, cool stories in there as well um, we'll take a little break in the middle to do some cool quotes yeah. and then uh, wrap it up with yeah just kind of some um, overall summary of, of who he was how he changed the world kind of stuff that's right so we got 10 questions and we're going to answer these same questions for every person we do uh, as we move forward yeah. and we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were asking us to make some changes, and so we're just, you know, uh, appealing to the masses here. You know, we give the people what they want. Yeah, it's a democracy. You guys tell us what you want, and we'll give it to you. Yeah. All so right. we're just going to start out with uh, talking about his birth. Um, he was born on April 20th, 1889, in Braunau am Inn. In Austria. Yep. Also Bo- called as Brown Owl. But. Uh, did you say Brown Out? Brown Owl. Oh, no T? No T. Okay. Did you get a T? Did well, you think it was a T? I heard Brown Out. Oh. Is that a phrase people use? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, anyways, I don't just, know what it refers to, though. It's... April 20th, uh, also known today uh, as the... Uh, oh, 420. 420. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's what the hooligans celebrate. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, he was born in Austria, actually. He wasn't even German. Yeah. So, interesting fact. He didn't like Austria, though. No. he So, Austria at that time was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Yep. So, there was a lot of ethnic diversity uh-huh. in that area. It was kind of a large area. Um, and he fought a lot of uh, nationalism. I mean, we could talk about this in the next question, but, yeah, he was very, yeah. very much a nationalist to Germany. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll Anyways, he was born almost at the turn of the century. Yeah, exactly 100 years. Well, not exactly, but 100 years before me. No. Creepy, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, uh, also that, that Austro-Hungarian Empire lasted until the end of World War One. So yeah. it got split up in 1918. So... Okay, yeah, so anything else on his life? No, I think that's it for the birth. The next question we got is, what was their family situation like? So Adolf Hitler was fourth of six children, Mm -hmm. and his parents' names were Alois Hitler and Clara Polzl. It's a tough one. There's like four (laughs) syllables or something. Polzl. Um, Yeah, not not enough vowels there. Yeah, it's probably like Slavic or something. Yeah. And so he he actually didn't get along well with his father. His dad was really, uh, quote, emotionally harsh. Hmm. 
And he actually didn't, his, uh, Hitler in, in the future, he goes on to study uh, fine art. Yeah. And his father was very against that and didn't approve of it at all. So he just, growing up as a kid, he just kind of clashed with his dad. Yeah, his dad drank a lot, kind of wasn't very, wasn't a very present father. It was, yeah, harsh on his wife and kids. So, um, his, Adolf's older half-brother actually, like, really clashed with their father and left home when he was 14. Like, he just left. Hardcore, dude. Uh, yeah, kind of crazy. Well, what was the life expectancy like? 30, so he was like a middle-aged man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not quite the same as now, I guess. But just kidding. It was probably <laughs> higher than 30 back then. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely had a bad relationship with his father. And you mentioned, oh, we'll talk about that more in education, but his... Um, he had two other younger siblings, a uh, younger brother, Edmund, and a sister, I believe. Um, but his younger brother, Edmund, actually died when he was five of measles. And Hitler was ten at that time. And, like, that hit him pretty hard. That yeah. was a, a huge blow. He kind of became detached, more introverted. Yeah. It was a tough moment for him. Yeah, I read that he was, like, when he was eight or nine, he started, he was, like, singing in a choir, like... I was thinking about becoming a priest and just kind of that kind of good kid, you know, whatever, choir boy. And then uh, when his brother died, he kind of took a 180. Well, I mean, that's an interesting one. We, we've seen a lot of these people have, you know, parents die in their youth. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to have a, a brother, especially a younger brother, who's kind of like an equal with you, you know? We, you're so close in age. When, when a parent dies, I mean, no kid should ever have to go through that. But it's also like you don't even know what's going on, you know? And it's like, you know, maybe you knew that people die and they're old. But here it is, like, your brother, you're... Who's even younger than you. He's younger than you. And you have to, like, face this reality of death at such a young, tender age. That, like, Adolf would have had to think, like, oh, I could die at my age now. Or maybe become numb to death. Like, people just die. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, three years later, his father died suddenly. Yep, 1903. Yep, and then four years later, his mom dies. Yeah, so rough childhood. So this guy, uh, when he's 18 years old, and he's, he's an adult, uh, he's had a brother die and both his parents. Yeah, so he's an orphan and isn't really, yeah, he's not really living with his siblings or anything, yeah. so. Yeah, kind of crazy. I mean, um, set up for, um, he, he's set up for something great for sure, almost, you know. When you get put in a situation like that, you either crumble yeah, or you climb, you know? Nice. Crumble or climb. That's a good one. Just made it up. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Yeah, let's move on to just talk about some significant events in their childhood. Yeah. And I think uh, we already kind of talked about this. The the main one, I think, was, was his brother dying. And, like, his father died, and that was obviously significant. Um, but it might have almost been a relief for him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, his little brother dying, I think that was a huge, like, very significant, had a huge impact on, on who he was as a person. Um, and that, that even, I think, that event led to him clashing even more with his father, especially as he was he was 10 years old when his younger brother died. He's starting to move into, like, you know, higher schooling, secondary school, and we'll talk more about his education, but, like, having to go against and, like, uh, deal with his father's wishes of what his education's going to be. Um, 
so it kind of led to him clashing even more with his father. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the amount of death that he had to kind of uh, trek through in his childhood. I mean, I think it's the most we've seen so far. It's uh, yeah that we can that we at least know about. I mean, he's a modern uh, historical figure, so we have a lot more information on him right. compared to Buddha. Let's you know, shall we say? But yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of death, a lot of death, and and it's interesting because, uh, like you mentioned earlier, his country kind of being run by someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like if we uh, took over Mexico and we let them do their own thing but they were part of the United States, you know, but there was a Mexican state. I don't know. You want, I mean, this is commonplace throughout history, you know, getting occupied and wanting your freedom back and feeling powerless, you know, yeah. and then watching people around you die if you feel powerless as well. Yeah, it probably, it, it kind of leaves a power vacuum probably and you probably just desire to have more control over your life when, yeah. when things are taken away. I mean, from I don't know like if everyone who would have the same situation as him would do the same thing. But I de- definitely think it's a recipe for something different, very different, you know? Yeah. Uh, like suicide or, you know, becoming a recluse, you know, or or power vacuum and, and desiring power and control. I don't know, but yeah. it's definitely a mix-up you don't want to do. So. so, yeah, those are the those are the main events of his childhood. It was just grief okay let's go on to um what he uh some of his education what kind of education he got yeah so we kind of mentioned this but his father was uh, a civil servant i think he was a customs agent something like that nice. so he kind of wanted his son to follow in his footsteps he he basically forced adolf to go into a, a secondary school that was geared towards that kind of career path um but Hitler was very interested in art. Yeah. So um, he really wanted to go to like a, a school that would lead towards that, you know, becoming a becoming yeah. an artist and studying fine art. So. so he applied to the Academy of Fine Arts twice, and he was rejected. In Vienna, yeah. Both times. Um, yeah, so that, that kind of dashed his hopes a little bit of yeah. becoming a professional artist. Uh. But, I mean, after, yeah, after his father died, like, his, his mother allowed him to switch to a different secondary school. Um, I don't know that it was really one that was maybe completely geared towards towards fine art. In any case, after that, he goes to Vienna, yeah. tries to go to the the, uh, the Academy of Fine Arts and isn't able to get in. But from then on, he's kind of self-taught. He's interested in architecture and music, um, but still did watercolors and tried to sell them <laughs> that's awesome to make money I wonder if anyone has those today I wonder yeah anyway so his other education that he gets it's, I guess you would say it's a little less formal but he gets into the into military yeah which is kind of what his career be- became politics and, and military but um, 1913 he relocated to Munich at the outbreak of World War One, and he applied to serve in the German army and he was accepted, even though he was still an Austrian citizen. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. I think it was the, I read that it was probably an oversight by the they messed up the people in Munich that they, they shouldn't have let him into the army, but he got in. Interesting. 
And he did well in World War One. I. I mean, some of his stories they say were exaggerated. It's hard to tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know he rose to power, um, you know, shortly after this, and it wouldn't be hard for him to change, erase history, and it's hard to know exactly what he accomplished. But we know he was decorated for bravery, receiving the Iron Cross First Class and the Black Wound Badge. Yeah. He was Should- wounded in one battle, and he was uh, also... Uh, Temporarily blinded by some mustard gas at one point. Oof. Why are they called mustard gas? I don't know. Well, you don't like mustard, right? So that makes sense for you. Yeah, I don't know. Just it's <laughs> not it's not the right name. You know how you just know when something's the right name? Like plop. That's the, that's the right <laughs> word to describe that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or like churro. You look at that, you're like, There's, that's what God named it. That's a churro. Yeah. But mustard gas God's like no <laughs> like tear gas is that the same as mustard gas I don't know I don't really know exactly tear gas. what mustard da- gas does but apparently it, bl- it can blind you yeah sounds bad <laughs> yeah, that sucks yeah so you get, you get temporary blinded <laughs> yeah he got his sight back though great news yeah um, so yeah keep going yeah I, I think we'll, we'll kind of jump into his career yeah uh, like just going into how his career developed and everything um, he, after the war ended after World War One ends he Stays in the army, but then becomes involved in politics with the German Workers' Party, yeah. which would later become the the Nazi Party, um, or also called the, the National Socialist German Workers' Party. Yeah, so after World War II, he's pretty embittered over the collapse of, of the war effort, right? So just after the war ended, Germany was forced yeah. to um, take the blame, Yeah, right? So they had to say, it's our fault. And their economy was just shot, just super bad. And for Hitler, who's a nationalist, he's a German, he was really embarrassed. He was really mad at the people who were making these decisions. Yeah. And that anger kind of stirred in him and got him into politics and into this party, which became the uh, Nazi party. Right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, he was discharged from the army in 1920. And began work began working full time for that for that party, mm-hmm. and he designed the party's banner, the which was the swastika in the white circle with the red background. Um, and he became known for his public speaking ability. Uh, he gave speeches in front of thousands of people, and started just really promoting the party's ideals, um, you know, German nationalism. Yeah, and. Uh, Kind of went from there. Like his is kind of his public speaking ability that that really shot him up the ranks. Well, yeah, I mean it's, uh, and I think that's why a lot of people talk about Trump today, you know, and they say he's like Hitler, and obviously he could have some similarities to Hitler, and one of them could be his ability to get a crowd going, yeah. get excited about something, you know, and and Hitler's was a lot of anger vitriol you know about look what they've done you know he was upset with the treaty of versailles yeah he thought it was degrading and so he was just and if you haven't seen railing on it if you haven't seen any of his speeches guys you can go on youtube and look at them they're really creepy Hmm. um or you can watch dwight do it on the office (laughs) but uh that was a mussolini speech oh okay (laughs) similar similar (laughs) close enough yeah but a lot of screaming and pounding and yelling and it's like a football coach you've got him Wave your arms and pound your fists. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's crazy. It works, you know? Yeah, no. The uh, crazy story, um, listeners were sometimes entranced 
well, they were they were entranced and like f- frenzied by his speeches. Yeah. Um, so much so that some literally pooped their pants. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's what I read. How do they know that? I don't know. They, they call it that. Well, they brown out. Think, yeah, exactly. They brown out. Um, so a quote from somebody who was at one of their one of the speeches. He said, "We erupted into a frenzy of nationalistic pride that bordered on hysteria. For minutes on end, we shouted at the top of our lungs with tears streaming down our faces. Zeke Heil, Zeke Heil, Zeke Heil. From that moment on, I belonged to Adolf Hitler, body and soul." Wow. It's crazy. That is really crazy. Like he could, the way he could speak, it would almost, it's kind of like turning people into zombies. It's just like he owned them. Like they were his followers and they yeah. would do anything he said. Hypnotism almost. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good, yeah. Yeah, so he had these amazing speeches and obviously it's one of his uh, greatest attributes. Yeah. You know? And it, and that that ability is not negative. It just depends on how you wield it. But so in 1921, he replaced uh, Drexler, who was the head of the, the, the chairman of the Nazi Party. So he now 1921, he is the head of the Nazi Party. Now, Nazi is yeah. so negative and evil and bad. But at the time, guys, I mean, it just meant that it's just like the National Socialist German it's like Workers Party, though. Democrat. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like Republican. It's just a name of a party that now is associated with evil. So yeah, that's a good point. Uh, he so shortly thereafter he attempts a coup to take over the German government, um, but he ends up being sentenced to five years in prison. He gets he gets stopped, gets sentenced to five years in prison for high treason, um, but he was released after like just over a year. But interesting side note that while he was in prison, that's when he that's when he wrote Mein Kampf, the first half, yeah, yeah, my struggle. Um. Which incidentally sold a lot of copies. He made a lot of money on that. Yeah. The uh, a few years later, the Great Depression actually kind of created a political opportunity for them, mm-hmm. for the party, for Hitler. Uh, he was able to gain a lot of support from those that were affected a lot by the depression. The, yeah. Like people like farmers. They want to see change. Class citizens. Yeah. yeah. Then he uh, he runs for president, mm-hmm. and he loses. Yeah. But he gets. Like thirty or something percent of the popular of the vote. Yeah, so he had a good good amount of support, and that gave him a lot of power. And the guy who won, he uh, to kind of stable the political battlefield. He appointed Hitler as chancellor, mm-hmm. which is a creepy name if you know Star Wars. Yeah, right. <laughs> chancellor just sounds evil. So he becomes chancellor of Germany from 1933 to 1945, and. He's leading the Nationalist Party, and he does some, I don't want to say brilliant, because it's a pretty creepy word given the context, but he does some yeah, really I mean, strategic, word, yeah. brilliant moves, you know, yeah. to uh, to seize power. So there was a fire, right? To, and Someone started a fire. Yeah, like the parliament building. Yeah. And then sketch. the next day, uh, he uses that basically to seize power. Yeah, yeah. And so the next day they passed what was called the Enabling Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently they, and, and this basically, uh, we won't go into all the details about it, but that the passing of that act basically gave him power. Yeah. He became the dictator of Germany at that point. Mm-hmm. So he had it for, they said, four years, and it's, it's kind of like martial law. It's mm-hmm. like a state of emergency, 
give us all the power and we're going to make sure everything's okay. And we'll give it back when it's... Uh, yeah. Four years. So we'll give it back in four years is what yeah. he said. And it's kind of creepy because it allowed for deviations from the Constitution. Yeah. So it's, it, you think so about the United States... They can make whatever law they want. Exactly. So you think about the United States, we're protected because we have to adhere to the Constitution. But kind of scary. All it takes is someone to come in, declare a state of emergency, give me power for just a little bit of time... Yeah, I'm going to step out of the lines a little bit, but it's for your own good. Yeah. And kind of super creepy. Is it, though? So, yeah, apparently also in order to get that enabling act to pass, they, like, the Nazi party, they basically, like, arrested 80 communists that would have voted on it. Yeah. And they just, like, so after, so they couldn't vote. Exactly. After this happens, um, he goes through and pretty much intimidates all of the parties. Uh, even killing some until in July 1933, the Nazi party was declared the only legal political party in Germany. <laughs> so pretty sketchy now. Yeah. So now that's the only legal one. And uh, they have all these cool names. Following that, about a year later, there was a knight called the Knight of the Long Knives. Pretty cool name. Huh. And uh, there was a guy who was a perceived rival and anyways, Hitler had like this legislation group that was kind of like an army, like a little sketchy group of people, like a secret police almost. Yeah. And they just rounded up all of their rivals, all of their political enemies, rounded them up and they killed them. Stabbed them with long knives? It says they were shot. I'm not sure why it's called the Night of Long Knives, but yeah, they just, so they just rounded up all the people that were against them and killed them. Yeah. Sounds like Alexander the Great. Crazy. When he first became king. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Hindenburg, that's the guy who became president and who appointed Hitler as chancellor so nothing crazy would happen. Is that the guy who the big balloon was named after? The Hindenburg? Could have been. Yeah, Yeah, could have been. I don't know. But so this guy, he he makes Hitler chancellor so nothing sketchy happens. Uh, People are getting round up and killed. There's only (laughs) one political party. Well, right before before he dies, um, Hitler makes it so there's no longer going to be any president. Instead, we're just going to have chancellor. Hmm. So right when he dies, there's no more president. And the power that the president has gets usurped by the chancellor, gets put into the chancellor's realm. So pretty much he makes himself president. Yeah. Creepy, huh? Dang. Good move, man. Chessboard. He's, yeah, he, he was definitely a smart man. You know, you can't, uh, you can't argue that. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, so from there, I was, I mean... A lot of us know kind of where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, he takes over, he invades Poland in 1939, and that starts World War II. Well, the first thing they do, and this is awesome, is he uh, goes into Czechoslovakia. And mm. the, they, he meets with Britain and I think France, and they agree to give him Czechoslovakia. And what they're hoping is they'll just give it to him, and it'll be good. And he won't, he'll be fine. That'll he just wants this one thing. And it just, like, he didn't <laughs> stop him. It just yeah. helped. It just, like, fueled the fire. But, uh, so it's kind of an interesting moment in time when you're dealing with a tyrant. And instead of fighting back, you just appease him. And when you get someone like Hitler with that state of mind, there's no appeasing him. You know, he wants it all. And yeah, so they, then he, he invades Poland. And, and throughout this time, uh, guys, he's making lots of small rules about Jewish people. 
Jewish people can't have stores. Jewish people can't vote. Jewish people have to be signified by a marking on their passport or a star in their outfit. And so uh, leading up to the war, he's doing lots and lots of little things and pretty much making people hate Jewish people. Yeah. Making Germans hate Jewish people. Propaganda, yeah. And so like Brett said, sorry, you continue. He invades Poland after he gets Czechoslovakia, invades Poland. Yeah, and that that starts World War Two. Um, you know, then we have the Allied powers that go against him, Britain and France, and then, um, but also the Soviets that end up fighting him from the east. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I, I don't have a lot of details about the war itself. Yeah. But, um Well, he went sweeping through. He, yeah. And it's funny because his war is so similar to Napoleon's. Creepy. Took over a lot of the same places. He couldn't take over Britain. And took over France. You know, took over a bunch of places. Austria, Poland, all these guys. And uh, he made a deal with Stalin. And then he uh, goes against his pact with Stalin. He starts attacking on the Eastern Front in Russia. Napoleon did that too. He failed. Yeah. Russia, you cannot win. It's already, they're already Don't dead. Try. They're already dead. You know? But there were some terrible things that happened in there that maybe we could go into on a different podcast, but millions of people died. They surrounded a whole city. Stalingrad, right? Yeah. This, well, this happened to both parts, to Russia and to Russians and Germans. But they surrounded a whole city, and there was like three million people in there. They just starved them out. They were like eating their shoes, boiling leather, and Americans came in and like dropped down food and stuff. But at the same time, the Japanese—no offense, Japanese—but you kind of, you kind of screwed up here. They attack America, which provokes America to go into the war. Yeah. And at that point, he was in big trouble. He was losing to the Russians. He didn't win in Africa as well. And now the Americans, who are the big dogs, coming in, and Britain fighting back with Winston Churchill. You know. Yeah. Uh, he kind of was starting to lose hope. Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll go next into his death. His death. And so, like I said, this, uh, so at around, you know, 19, 1945, April of 1945, the uh, Britain and France are moving into Germany from the West and the United States, obviously. Um and the Soviets coming from the east, and the Soviets end up surrounding Berlin, and get, like almost getting to Hitler, and and so uh, on the on April 29th, a little bit after midnight, he marries his longtime lover, mm-hmm. Ava Brown, uh, Adolf Hitler does, and on April 30th, the uh, Soviets were within a block or two of, of capturing him, and. Um, he shoots himself in the head instead of getting captured, and his his wife uh, bites into a capsule of cyanide to kill herself as well. Um, they die. They die. They die. Their bodies were placed in a bomb crater and burned before the Soviets got there. And there's some conspiracy around if his he actually death as died. well. Yeah, he might be in Argentina still. He might be. Okay, well, let's move on to the next question. Um, this is a short one, but. Uh, what do you think his most defining moment was in his life? Yeah. For me, I think it, it's really the death of his younger brother, Edmund. 
when he was 10, I think that just kind of set him on, on a path of anger. And anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering, as Yoda would say. But, uh, but yeah, I think that kind of led him down a path that is, uh, I think there was just like this latent anger in him from that point on. And that was easily ignited when, when he heard, when he was hearing other people talking about, you know, German nationalism, like he caught hold of that. And, um, and then going on with, you know, anti-Semitism, uh, trying to gain power himself. And that just kind of, that's, that was his life pursuit the rest of his life. It seems like. I think, I think his most defining moment, uh, was probably when he went to jail and his reaction to it, which was starting to write uh, Mein Kampf, which was about the extermination of the Jews and his plan to take power. Yeah. And I think sometimes you get beat up in life and you have to make a decision on how you're going to re- respond to it. I think part of his response is admirable, which is you know coming back and not giving in and being courageous. But the other half is terrible, you know? It's, uh, I don't know, reflexive and like, and run by emotion. And I think he, uh, he did something wrong. He served a punishment for it. And instead of accepting that punishment and going on, uh, he chose to go the other way, which was, seemed like there was no return after that, you know? He had his whole plan, and he achieved it. But it was like this moment in time where it's like, I guess the last moment until he died where the world controlled him, you know? And he, just, he said, I'm, you're never going to control me again. And sometimes you see that, you know, you see a little kid get punished by his dad. And sometimes there's godly sorrow, you know. They feel bad and they really don't want to do it again. They don't want to have this happen again. Mm-hmm. And so to not make it happen again, you know, they'll be good. And they'll, they'll say sorry. And then you see kids who get angry, you know. And they think it was unjust. And it seems like his life, the feeling of injustice was just radiating throughout his whole life from his childhood with Edmund and his mm-hmm. parents not getting accepted to schools Germany being an embarrassment and a failure going to jail you know and it seemed like he just wanted justice but I guess he kind of and he thought the only way he could get it was if he took over took yeah. control and took power himself Define, defining justice his own way you know yeah alright well um, how do you think he changed the world um, well, he made a huge bet. He kind of w- went all in on, I'm going to try to take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> that was his thing. It's a lofty goal. Yeah. And so, but he lost. Um, and his loss actually led to sort of a, um, the U.S.-Russia. Cold War? Dynamic, yeah. Kind of led to the Cold War where we've got these two superpowers that are kind of vying for a number one spot in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a huge way that he changed the world is, is just because of his actions that led to just a kind of a change in the power and kind of that separation of powers, I think, as well, where, where, where we've got Russia and the U.S. that are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else after that. 
Um, he was obviously responsible for the deaths of tens of millions of people, uh, which, which affected families all over the globe. Um, but he also kind of opened the eyes of the world to, to how much one man can do. Yeah. If he's really motivated and smart enough. Um, and kind of how careful we have to be in order to avoid those kinds of situations. Yeah. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's helpful for us now because we can, we can kind of see him as an example to, uh, of what to avoid. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Trump. like what happened to lead up to what he did and how we can prevent it in the future. Um, I also think like his his actions led to people all over the world reflecting on life and their experiences in a different way. And an example would be uh, Viktor Frankl. Have you read Man's Search for Meaning? Really good one. Highly recommend it to all you listeners out there. Uh, Viktor Frankl is one who was in the con- one of the concentration camps. And his book, Man's Search for Meaning was kind of written around around his experiences there and and what he was able to do sort of mentally and emotionally to react to that. Like, how do you deal with something like that when you live through it? So, yeah, I mean, something, something like that is, is obviously an unintended consequence of, of what Hitler did, but, but yeah. because of what he did, it, it changes the world in that way. And, and what Viktor Frankl wrote and other people what their when they share their experiences that's something that affects many many more people awesome i no i totally agree those i feel the same way uh well let's wrap up we're supposed to do this halfway but let's just finish off with some fun quotes cuz he's got some good ones sure uh, i'll start off he says um how fortunate for govern- governments that the people they administer don't think Kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, Make the lie big. Make it simple. Keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. Crazy. The broad masses of population are more amenable to the appeal of rhetoric than to any other force. Hmm. Words. Kind of goes with what you said. Yeah. It is not truth that matters, but victory. And I think this is a really interesting one. A very stark difference between Hitler and the rest of the people that we've talked about. We've talked about how one of the common things among a lot of them is that they have this like diehard passion to f- and drive to find the truth. Yeah. But that's not what Hitler was going for. He was he just wanted to win and he wanted power. I mean, to go along with that, there's this one. It says the victor will never be asked if he told the truth. Which mm. sounds a lot like Napoleon. You know, about who writes history. Yeah. And, uh, or history is a set of lies agreed upon. Yeah. And so definitely, all these generals are in a different category. And if you win, then you get to rewrite, you get change history and you're a hero. If, if George Washington fails, then he is a traitor to Britain forever. Yeah. You know, the same way that Benedict Arnold is synonymous with a traitor to us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, those who want to live, let them fight. And those who do not want to fight in this world of eternal struggle do not deserve to live. Interesting. Wow. Sounds like a guy got a tough life. 
Yeah. Who says I am not under the special protection of God? Huh. Who's to say? Yeah. You got any more? I think that's I all for me. He says, I do not see why man should not be just as cruel as nature. It's an huh. interesting argument, though. Huh. You know, I mean, you look at nature... We believe, or, or a lot of people believe, it was created. You know, God's the creator, and He set up these systems, and it is cool. You should follow this Instagram called Nature Is Metal. Chris, I don't follow it, but my brother does, and he sends me Instagram posts, and it's nuts. It is nuts out there. They just show like videos of of just getting ripped apart. You know, like a baby zebra getting destroyed by some lions. You know, you don't ever. We don't talk about. It, we don't show that stuff, but it is. Yeah, you don't see those scenes in uh, Planet yeah. Earth. They, you will, <laughs> they die. They have to kill or they die. That's it. Yeah. Kill or be killed, you know? And It's interesting. The last one I got is, I use emotion for the many and reserve reason for the few. Mm. I got one, at, one more, actually. Okay. He alone who owns the youth gains the future. That was a creepy one. I, I was reading about... Like, there was a group that was just called the Hitler Youth. Yeah, no, you, you should check out videos of them, dude. It's like Boy Scouts. <laughs> like, crazy psycho Boy Scouts. It is crazy. He was, like, rearing a generation of killers. Super soldiers. All right, but, well, yeah. that's that's all we got for today, guys. Um, if you have any questions or comments, uh, if you want to send us who we should do ne- next, just send us an email at worldchangerspod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on our various social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. just uh, search World Changers Pod. Yeah, WC um, Pod. Twitter is at WC underscore Pod. So yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.